Welcome to episode 115 of the Ninja Mountain Podcast, the podcast for artists and by artists. Ninja Mountain is a loose collective of fantasy sci-fi artists who like to talk about the art and business of freelance illustration. Ninja Mountain is a proud member of the Visual Artist Podcast Network. And with, with us for the third attempt at a successful recording, we have Soccer Miles. Hello! And you sound like you're in the other room, Sokar. I'm looking for my microfiber pad. Try getting a little closer to your iPad. Well, I'm, I'm right here. It sounds I'm, I'm... like you're like talking through a tin can. While Sokar tackles this technical problem, we also have Patrick McAvoy. This is Patrick McAvoy speaking to you from the internet. I'm at megaflowgraphics.com. And I am Jeremy McHugh, and I can be found at McHughStudios.com. And today, I guess I'm also a part-time tech support guy for Skype. Uh, uh, technology. Yeah. This, these uh, podcasts don't record themselves. That's maybe. right, folks. Even though we like to make it sound that way. Yes. We, <laughs> we, we try to hide all the, all the magic behind a, a screen on the stage. But, but really, it's, it's hard work. Somebody, somebody has to do the pedaling. That's right. We, we, we steer this ship. Through, through difficult waters That's to bring right. you podcast greatness. <clears throat> Anywho, we, uh, I, you know, guys, I wanted to talk to you. I, I'd seen a little bit of buzz lately about, um, it's a company based in China called oilpaintingssupplier.com. And if I think if ever there was an example of copyright infringement, this, my friends... This is a prime example. Oh, is it? Is it one of those places where they uh, they do oil paintings that are just copies of other people's work, and then precisely. They, yeah, they sell them on eBay for massively discounted prices, and totally undercut the actual artist. That is precisely what they do, and they. Uh, it's amazing you know, looking at this. They even, you know, in this day and age of the internet, you'd think they'd be able to correctly attribute artwork to different artists that they're robbing from mm. but I'm seeing a, a, several, a couple of rows of work by Eric Fortune being attributed to Donato Giancola it's like they can't even get that right then you go to their fact there are frequently asked questions and oh my god if it doesn't look like it was translated directly by Google from their language into English <laughs> nothing. I mean, nothing builds brand security. I think quite like misspellings, grammar gaffes, and wow. What? Uh, tell us uh, about it, because I'm on. I went to the site when you mentioned it, and I can't actually find any paintings. So how do you how do you uh, navigate the site? Well, let's see. Uh, I think you can shop by artists. <laughs> Shop by artists. And I think you'll find, uh, you can just type, type in an artist's name, like Donato Giancola, and you will be uh, amazed that I, I had no idea that Donato was traveling to China to work in their shop to reproduce <laughs> as many paintings. It's almost, you know, I guess... Uh, it's almost like he isn't. T- times Am are I? tough, but... Uh, tell me the name of the site again. You, you said oil painting supplier. D- okay, oil paintings dash supplier. Dash supplier. Without a dash, it's a totally different site. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's see. With a dash. Oops. Uh, oil paintings dash supplier. 
Mm-hmm. Aha. Yes, from Lycée International Art Limited. Specializes. This is um, this is from their About Us page. Specializes in manufacturing and wholesale of oil paintings. Our company locates in Xiamen, China. We have more than 100 <laughs> skillful and experienced painters. We supply top quality oil paintings and museum quality oil paintings to meet with the demands of various oil paintings market. As a oil painting supplier and wholesaler of China, we aim to supply the best quality, the best prices, and the best service. We promise to refund 110% amount if our goods have any defect as our fault. We accept (laughs) PayPal, Western Union, and TT, which is convenient and secure for our customers. Even though one piece, we also keep our promise. I don't know what that means. If you have a shop in your town, you can sell our goods easily. You only need to have some samples in your shop, and we can send you the pictures of oil paintings without our logo <laughs> in your computer and show them to your customers. We sincerely welcome customers from all over the world to do business with us on the basis of mutual benefit and high credit. Uh-huh. Huh. Well, I'm convinced. Oh, well, yeah, are, they, are they claiming they're actually hand-painted yes, reproductions? Yes, they use no computer. No, you know what? They are. Um, in fact, I once saw uh, this website where it had a bunch of uh, original artworks of the people who who work in these painting mills. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, they get hired to, do, to work for next to nothing and just uh, copy paintings for mass market production. But um, there was this website, I think, or a magazine article once I saw where it showed original works by these people, and some of them were actually really quite good. But unfortunately, they hadn't been able to get work, so they'd been stuck with uh, the soulless job of copying other people's paintings. Mm-hmm. That's really a bit, sad. Yeah, that's really a bit disappointing for them, you know, to end up doing that. Yeah, yeah. This is this is basically just. Uh, I guess it's just one of many types. As you say, it's one of other. You know, you've seen other operations like this online. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a problem that's been going on for a long time. Um, Chinese bootlegging has become a. Uh, I understand is quite a problem. Um, a few years ago, uh, a, couple, a bunch of other artists and myself all had our work stolen, and we tried to band together to get one of these places to shut down, but they they just change their website and keep doing it. There's no point. Wow. Yeah, there really is no such thing as copyright to the to the Chinese. So yeah, well I understand I don't I don't believe they're signatories to the what the Berne Convention. They don't recognize copyright law as we do in the West. Mm-hmm. So that's all fair game, I guess. I was kind of curious to know what 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 were some of the steps you attempted to get them to uh, to get this to cease. Um, filed a uh, DMCA complaint um, and email bombed them. Uh, tried to get in touch with authorities in their area. They just changed the website to a slightly different name and kept going. Um, we thought they were gone, but they weren't. Huh. <laughs> they. I think it's probably a. You know, there's a limited number of people who are doing this, but they uh, they just keep on doing it. There's there's no way to get them to stop. You know, if you get them shut down for copyright infringements, uh, on, on one incarnation, they just uh, 
they just, you know, get a new, uh, they reincorporate, I guess. They get a new uh, web address and they do it all over. Wow. I guess, I guess at this point, the only thing you can do is attempt to educate customers. Yeah, because, you know, if you buy an oil painting that comes from an oil painting uh, shop like that, it's, it won't have any real value. Mm-hmm. And, then, just, and there's a lot a of artists that have been bitten by this, from the looks of it. Mm-hmm. And there's a quite, I guess it's quite a list of people who are getting riffed on by this company. Yeah. They can't, do, they, they can't do it to me anymore because my current work is not reproducible in oils. <laughs> 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 but they certainly managed to make some pretty faithful reproductions of some of my digital paintings. No, it's that's just. Uh, well, anyway, I, I will put a link to the, on our page, and uh, hopefully people will become aware. And if you you may be, if you're an artist, it's possible that your work has been uh, co-opted by this uh, <laughs> burgeoning industry, the oil paints market, as they as they apparently wanted to call it. Yeah, if if you find your work being used, though, odds are there's nothing you can do. <laughs> no, all you can do is just educate your fan base. If you know. Communicate with your fan base. Let them know that your work is being stolen overseas and that they should uh, seek the genuine article. Yeah, definitely. Don't be taken in. People who buy bootleg products like this really are just aiding and abetting. You know, there's no, there's no upside to this. They're not supporting the artist's work they purport to love. They most certainly are not. If anything, you might just find that you're helping to drive your favorite artist out of business. So I would, uh, I would admonish <laughs> people to buy the genuine article. For sure. But uh, there's a thing with uh, all of the classic artists there too. They, it doesn't matter to them; they're dead. You know, like the Bougereau or Rossetti or whatever that's on there. Uh, Degas. There's lots of. It's mostly. It looks like well, classical the, artists. Uh, but the thing about that is you're getting reproductions, no matter how well-made. They're reproductions, and they're not going to be as good as the original. Uh, I would, I would well, say you're, you better know, off buying a nice, you're better off buying a nice print uh, or even a print on canvas or whatever of the uh, – Although it's, it's uh, not so bad if they're reproducing Bougereau because he's dead. He, well, that, that's, what I, that's what I mean. Not, they're, they're not biting into Bougereau's um, – that, livelihood. Yeah, that's I wonder exactly who's what con- I was saying they're not they're hmm. they're not hurting his livelihood, but but it's it's of necessity going to be inferior to just getting a nice print of a real Bougereau, which oh, are yeah. available everywhere. You know, you can get really good prints of of uh, good uh, pieces of fine art, and I sure. I would argue that uh, no matter how nicely made the uh, the oil painted. Uh, copy is, you know, you're better off getting a, a high quality print of the real thing. No, that's what that's what that's definitely what I would do. I guess uh, not everybody shares your opinion. Well, I'm pretty sure that the uh, <laughs> well, there's a lot of people that have, uh, you know, paintings on black velvet too. Yeah, well, I, was, yeah. I would think that a legitimately licensed print would be, in the end, would be more valuable. And collectible than a knockoff painting, <laughs> you know, a bootleg painting. You know, legitimate. You know, there are people who collect. For instance, for instance, they might collect Frazetta prints, and there are only so many on the market, and they'll want to collect legitimate merchandise featuring Frazetta work. 
Whereas if they purchase these bootlegged things, they're, they're not going to appreciate in any kind of value. I mean, mm-hmm. it's the bootlegged product. No, I don't, no, I don't think people, gen, you know, if you're in it for collecting, it's, certainly, it's clearly not an investment worth making. Mm-hmm. But uh, anyway, I digress. If you, no, you've, you've encountered this so car, and, and there, are, there are less um, egregious examples of infringement that are fairly minor that we've probably all encountered in some level. You know, I've, I've, for instance, as an example, I've occasioned to have seen an image of mine, for instance, being used in a very innocuous, innocent way. But what, what becomes the problem is that they, A, did not ask permission, and B, were using my bandwidth to host it. Oh man, that's that's really annoying. You ever seen that ever happen to you? Someone will r- take a JPEG and they'll they'll put a link or something like that directly to oh, that yeah. image off of your FTP on their site. Yeah, I hate when people do that. I actually a, a long time ago when I used to be on a different host, mm-hmm. I had my website shut down for that um, for bandwidth overages because so many people were leeching. But um, my new, uh, I'm a, I'm on DreamHost now, and uh, they're actually pretty good about giving you t- all the bandwidth you want. <laughs> oh, good. No, I, I've had no problem. I'm with Yahoo, and I have unlimited bandwidth as well. I've never, you know, I've had no problems. But I can very e- easily see an artist out there getting nailed for overages. Oh, yeah. Because I mean, somebody decided to host the, an image of theirs off your site. Yeah, it's it's very annoying, and uh, people people definitely do that. Mm-hmm. And that's, I guess that's sort of like a double. It's almost like a double whammy. I'm going to infringe your image without your permission, and I'm going to make you pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> that's <Yeah>. just classy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I agree. No, usually what I do in that instance is I either take the image down or rename it. Um, a couple of times when I was younger and a lot less mature, I replaced the image with something really disgusting. <laughs> I've seen it. I think I've seen that before. I think I've seen people do that before as well. I, well they, I, just I, say, I, they put a little JPEG that says, this image is being stolen from, or I, being, you know. I, I just replaced it with, the, you know, a screenshot from goats. <laughs> screenshot from goats. Oh, no, no. I, I, I would not do that now. I, I have grown up a little bit. Since <laughs> your, your, your younger, less temperate days. Yeah, I wouldn't go around goatsing people's uh, innocent customers now that didn't know that, the, that there were images being stolen. But in those days, I found it really annoying that my website was being shut down by bandwidth thieves, and I uh, decided that the way I was going to fight back was with goats. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then the, the 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 person who was stealing my bandwidth had the temerity to write and get mad at me for changing it. And I was like, "Hey, if I want to have disgusting pictures on my site, I will." And mm-hmm. It is my it turned, prerogative. Turned out, to be, it turned out to be an older person who didn't actually know that you can download images and rehost them. <laughs> and I was like, well, first, you know, those pretty images, you see, they belong to somebody. Uh, they're not just done by dead artists. <laughs> it's, it's almost a shame and... we can't goats oilpaintingsupplier.com. <laughs> this site would be instantly changed. <laughs> An instant legend. Oh, shit, I just scared away a bird. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at a picture by Eric Fortune right now on, mm-hmm. this, on this site, and they've actually covered up Anything that resembled his signature, if they if they even left it on in any pl- in any place I can see, 
and they replaced it with their own ugly red logo. Oh, that's classy. In the uh, lower left corners. You know, they got to protect their rights, right? Yeah, got to know where this came from. Gosh, disgusting. Very. Uh, we all agree. And anyone who doesn't agree with us is wrong. Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys were having an interesting discussion, uh, sort of a tangentially related to this, uh, before I hopped on earlier. You want to try to find your way back to it? Mm-hmm. By tangentially related, he means not related at all in the slightest. <laughs> well, it had to do with pricing. Uh, oh, yeah, we were talking about Jeremy for some reason. Why were we talking about you? No, we were just chatting a little bit. You were You had visited my site. And you saw some of the pricing I was offering on my watercolor sketches. And you had a thought there, Sokar. Um, oh, yeah, I remember. We were talking about um, commissions for some reason. We were talking about money. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah, and I was, uh, I was talking about... when you. Oh, yeah, I was just saying that Jeremy was getting pretty awesome and uh, he should be charging more. Oh yeah, I remember now. We were talking about um, building up client lists and getting commissions, and uh, Jeremy was saying that um, he. Oh yeah, I I recommended a client to use Jeremy because he wanted color, and I wasn't going to do color. And um, and I said, and Jeremy was like, "Thanks for recommending me." And then he was all. I don't tend to recommend other artists, but that's because my prices are so crappy that none of you guys would work for them. (laughs) (laughs) No, just the offers I sometimes find. (laughs) Hey, guys, this publisher here wants to pay bottom dollar. Who wants in? You know. And I was like, Jeremy, dude, I was just looking at your blog, and your art is looking pretty great these days, so don't shortchange yourself. Um, You should you know, get those prices up there a bit. Because, you know, when you're an artist and you uh, and you charge for your work and you charge a bargain basement price, mm. people start wondering what's wrong with you. Because, you you know, there's that uh, the, there's that meme that does the rounds, you know, where, where it has a little Venn diagram, uh, where it has good, cheap, and fast, and, and mm-hmm. then it shows that, you can generally get any two, but it's really rare that you get all three. Mm-hmm. So if you if if a client comes to you and says, "Okay, Jeremy, I would like seven little watercolors, illustrations of goblins. How much would you charge for that?" And you decide that uh, you are going to say you'll charge twenty five dollars for each one of them. The, the customer is going to think, "Well." Am I sacrificing the good or am I sacrificing the fast if he's going to be this cheap? Ah. <laughs> and, well, and that, that, that's not a bad way of explaining what you're saying. I think that sounds, uh, that's a yeah. bit more, yeah. I mean, he starts getting some doubts about you. Like, why is this guy so cheap? What's wrong with him? Like, um, when, I, when I started shopping on sample sale sites, I was, I was wondering what the hell was wrong with all these designer clothes. That would make them so cheap, and and of course the answer to that is they're all last year's stuff, or they're slightly damaged, or someone's already worn them. <laughs> <laughs> so um, 
there's there's always a catch when something's really really cheap and you have to decide whether it's worth it to you or not like wearing last year's fashions is totally worth it to me i don't care (laughs) 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 but um (laughs) uh hiring an artist who is going to take six months to do a one month job or who's going to turn out less than optimal quality work is is not somewhere that I would be willing to compromise if I were hiring an artist. Mm. So uh, you have to, you, you should you should get your, like, I'm not saying you have to charge as much as, like, the top of the pile artist who gets more offers than you can shake a stick at, but you should charge a, an industry standard or slightly above because, uh, and I say or slightly above, because industry standard rates haven't really increased since the 80s, and in some cases they've gone down. So we should all really be <laughs> having, we should, we, should, we should be sort of unionizing, having a, making a concerted effort to slowly bump up our rates so that clients can't go to anyone else and get a lower rate. <laughs> and they have to start paying us more. But that's called price fixing. No, that's called getting what we're worth. Oh, true. <laughs> I mean, inflation has been a constant force in the economy. It's, it's not like artists are suspended in an inflation-proof bubble that affects every other industry except ours. Mm. We should we should be getting rates that that have also inflated commensurate with the increased costs of living and the decreased value of our currency in some cases. Well, all we have to do is eat less every year. <laughs> well, see, I'm not prepared to eat less. In fact, I want to eat more. Wow. <laughs> what are you, greedy? You don't do this for the love of art. What are you, some kind of Philistine? <laughs> well, you know, let's put it this way. If, if I don't get enough food to eat, I get kind of grouchy. And if I'm grouchy, I might not do such a good job in your art. Yeah. So you, you want to feed me so I won't be grouchy. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. You want a well-fed Sokar. You yeah. really do. You really do. I mean, you. If uh, I mean, for and for you know, for any uh, clients that are out there saying I don't want to pay artists anymore, just think uh, when you pay when you offer an artist a little more, that artist is really grateful, and they want to work for you more. So mm-hmm. they'll they'll probably pull out all the stops to deliver some truly memorable art that will be. Uh, fantastic for your product so so customers don't try to bottom don't try to bargain basement us and artists don't bargain basement yourselves let me tell you a little allegory well not an allegory let me tell you a vaguely parallel story when i was young there used to be this uh horrible bargain basement shop called bargain bills or bargain harold's or bargain joe's i don't remember bargain somebody's and it's old horrible clothes and my mother used to buy all my clothes there and I lived in a pretty small town so everybody knew my clothes came from there because they'd all seen them and, and yeah you know this, this created problems <laughs> 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 I mean everybody else is wearing normal clothes in here and there I was slopping around in track suits from Bargain Joe's and um, and Bargain Joe's is horrible and Bargain Joe's is crappy and Bargain Joe's sold clothes that didn't really last and now Bargain Joe's is out of business <laughs> <laughs> so poor Joe 
Take from that lesson what you will. Actually, I think it might have been Bargain Harold's. It was Bargain Somebody's. Anyway, it's out of business now. So, so oh, poor guy, all he wanted to do was, was have bargains, and now he's out of business. You have to feel sorry for him. Uh, he was responsible for a lot of bullying. Kids at my school who wore Bargain Joe's clothes uh, uh, did not did not fare well. And I, I, I used to try to wear my uniform for gym class just so that I wouldn't have to put on my Bargain Joe's tracksuits so that nobody would know I had Bargain Joe's clothes. Of course, since I had a Bargain Joe's coat, it didn't really help. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So there you, ha- there you have it. Uh, Bar- bargain, you know, bargain stuff isn't always all it's cracked up to be. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Don't undervalue yourself, artist. I see a lot of you doing it. You know, I, I, I see this one artist on DeviantArt. Um, uh, she is, she's actually got a really uh, a nice style. She's, uh, she's very prolific. She's got new work up like every second day, I swear, sometimes every day. So she's very dedicated, and I think she's really going places. Um, but she is really undervaluing herself. I've seen her selling off commissions for fifteen 20, or twenty-five dollars, and I just feel so bad when I see that because uh, she could be really making a killing. She could be just raking it in there, and I, I, I don't think she even realizes uh, that she could be. She could have a lot more time for personal work and uh, practice and stuff. And if she if she was to uh, raise her prices a little bit, I mean, yeah, it, it would put her out of the range of some of the people who are commissioning her now. But I think it would be, um, you know, a lot more beneficial for her in terms of not breaking her back trying to make a living. Um, you know, I'd, I'd like to advertise her, but I don't really want to say her name because I, I don't want to call, be calling someone out in public <laughs> as, as, as undervaluing herself. But um, well, you, you can totally, you can totally, you know, call me out today. That's fine. The um, because you were ta- you were talking. What, what sparked the conversation, I think, was that we were looking at um, what I'm selling my little watercolor watercolors for. I think that was part. Of, I think that's what you were referring to initially. No, no, I, I wasn't actually. I didn't. I didn't actually notice the prices of your watercolors. How much are they? Uh, I, I typically go somewhere between. I, I've, I think I've gone say thirty up to a hundred. How big are they? Uh, the the typical size is somewhere around uh, nine by twelve. Well, I guess if they're really sketchy, you could sell them. Like how how they if they take maybe, let's say you want to. Uh, Let's say you want to make 20 bucks an hour. Yeah, that's exactly where I wanted to go with it. Uh, Mm. This is a good chance to uh, go back to that old rule of thumb of how much money do you want to make and how long do things take and what is your overhead. Uh, Run all that through a blender of math and (laughs) come up with what you should be charging. Does that include – does that require numbers and calculation? Well, what you need to figure yeah, out is what, <laughs> what, you, what you need to figure out is uh, what is your cost for every watercolor. Um, if if you're using a nine by twelve piece of paper, how much is that piece of paper? A nice piece of watercolor paper that size is probably I don't know a dollar twenty five to two fifty, depending on the brand name and you know how many sheets you buy at once and uh, how good the paper is, mm-hmm. um, the weight of the paper. You know, and well, yeah. uh, you know how many paint, 
how many paintings can you get out of one paintbrush and how, how many paintings can you get out of one uh, set of paints and 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 there's and then you have to figure out you have to figure that, that into your overhead um, and then you figure out what you want to make an hour after oh my god a fly just came in my window get out <laughs> fuck off fuck off shoot get back out oh no I lost it it's going to be in here all day bugging me I just know it so then you figure out how much you want to make per hour after your material costs. Mm. Because you don't want your material costs biting into your, uh, biting into your hourly rate. So let's say, for each, let's say each painting costs you $2. I guess that's a really low estimate, but let's say it costs you $2. And then you want to make $20 an hour, which is kind of low end for a skilled craftsman, but uh, it's a start. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then how long does this watercolor take you? If it takes you an hour, then you have to charge at least $22 for it. Well, and then there's the time it's going to take to actually do the business. Uh, you know, how long did it take you to, to talk to the client if it's commission, or how long if it's just something you did and put up on the internet? How long does it take to scan and uh, process in Photoshop and put up on your website? You know, so there's another half hour to an hour, maybe. Yeah, very good point. The presentation counts. So administrative costs factored yeah. exactly. into that. So then, exactly. so now you so now if it took you two hours, it would cost you should be charging at least forty seven dollars, or I'm sorry, wait, no, forty two. No, um, because you have to add. I'm adding five dollars because it took you uh, like fifteen minutes to scan and post it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's a good point. <laughs> and uh, and if it was if it was for a client, you know, you probably it probably took you about half an hour to figure out exactly what was going on so that then you would want to add another 10 bucks so you want to charge at least 57 dollars for that and that's assuming it only took you two hours of painting time if it was for a client it probably took you a lot longer because the ones i was looking at are your daily warm-ups and you said those take you an hour or two right yeah typically some pieces will be i'll actually work on a couple of mornings so i'll space it out if I wanted to put more time into a particular sketch or turn it into something more finished, then I would obviously I'd just break it up over several days kind of thing. Yeah. So some pieces are going to reflect that. Yeah, you should, and then you should, time, all... you should time yourself. Time, it's, it's a good idea for an artist to time themselves when they're working. See how long it actually takes and uh, figure out what you're earning. I mean, I did, this, I did that years ago when I first started digital painting or... Actually, when I was getting close to not wanting to do digital painting anymore, and um, I, I discovered that to do a digital painting, it was taking me such a long time that I was making like $2 an hour. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm. So I was no, like, one, no wonder you don't do them anymore. They were beautiful. <laughs> I, I, must, I must reiterate. Yeah. <laughs> they just took me too long. I, I'm just, I guess I'm just a Luddite. Uh, it, it, I was just one of those people I could never get used to. Uh, Looking at the screen and having this, having this stylus, and having to zoom in on shit, and oh, it was just too much for me. <laughs> <laughs> so, so um, but now if I if I do an ink drawing and I look at that and I see how 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 much I can earn an hour from it, it's much more, you know, in line with the amount of education that it costs me and uh, the amount of 
um, time it takes, the amount of uh, skill that I've accumulated over the years, you have to factor that into it too. Uh, oh yeah, the famous uh, Sergio Aragonés anecdote. What? Sergio Aragonés. Yeah. What, what did he say? Well, uh, I think it was he was charging. It might. It sounds like I believe this was a Sergio story. What happened was uh, someone came to him, asked for a sketch. He completed it in very short order, which was something he was known for. His speed was, mm-hmm. you know, his and probably continues Still to is. be. He's he's phenomenal. He's phenomenally fast. And he charged the man, I think, a uh, hundred dollars for a sketch that took about. And Sergio was probably something that took about a minute. Uh, you know, fifty, maybe five minutes at most. Mm-hmm. And the customer balked at that. He said, Wait, that took you no time at all. You know, charge me a hundred bucks. No, I'm not charging you for the five minutes it took. I'm charging you for the 50 years it took me to learn <laughs> to do that sketch. And that's from an old story about Whistler, in fact. Yeah, oh, yeah, uh, see? That, that, well, whoever, whoever, that whoever, Whistler's whoever. famous trial was, uh, yeah. Well, it, took know, me, it didn't take Whistler. me 10 minutes. It took me 30 years. Mm-hmm. He, he, Whistler raised a very good point then. He, he, he is absolutely in the right because, I mean, think about it. Uh, you guys are artists. Presumably you went to art school or you, uh, or if you didn't, you practiced a whole hell of a lot. You probably went through years and years of uh, building up a client list, uh, getting yourself commissions, building a reputation and honing your skills and, you know, learning how to work with clients is a skill set all by itself. And uh, if you are good at all those things and you are reliable and you're somebody who turns in your work on time and polished and, you you know, something that's close to your best work every time, then that is something you should be reflecting into your prices. Mm Mm-hmm. And I mean, yeah, we all sometimes give a discount if a person seems nice or has a really interesting project and can't quite afford you once in a while. But your regular rates should not be always discount rates. Mm-hmm. That's true. Uh, it, it can't. <laughs> if it is, there's there's something really going wrong here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I, I know there'll be some people who, who think I charge too little. I'm looking at, um, I'm at a point where I, I tend not to, for like for black and white work, and I don't do a lot of that anymore. But when I do it, I tend not to go below 150 a page. And I'm, also that's, thing, that's, also, I'm sure I could try. I could probably charge more. And another thing you need to think about is if if um, freelance art is actually your livelihood, you need to ask yourself how much do I need to make a week. And how many commissions do I generally receive and complete in a week? Um, and if, if you know, um, you, you probably need to make like a minimum of five hundred dollars a week, assuming. Well, depends where you. It depends where you live. I, I mean, if you live in a place where rent is like three hundred dollars, then maybe you don't have to make that much, but. Most of us live in the real world where rent is like $1,200 or more, and then there's groceries and there's heating and uh, stuff that you want to buy. <laughs> and then in the U.S., there's expensive health care. 
Well, there's health care bills everywhere, but I don't no, know. No, in the I, U.S. I, it's the yeah. worst. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that is true. In Canada, our health care bills are pretty low. Um, and yeah. that is a thing. That is a thing of beauty. And, and yeah, you need to you need to you need to add up everything that you spend in a month, including you know incidentals and emergency money, and figure out how much you need to be making every week. And if your prices don't reflect that, either you're not working enough or you're doing it wrong. <laughs> doing it wrong. Uh, uh. I mean, there is there is a chance that you are simply not working enough, in which case inflating your prices that much would just be unfair on your clients. But honestly, if you're if you're doing if you're doing at least one commission a week and you're not making two or three hundred dollars for that week. You are doing it wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Either that or you just really suck and you're not ready to be freelancing. Sorry, just, <laughs> that was me. <laughs> I, I often pick on myself because, you know, I, I feel like I'm somebody who should be busier. There are times that I feel like I, I never feel like I'm busy enough. Let's put it that way. I, I'm, I'm not sure how much of that is my own neuroses or what, but I always feel like this, oh, I could be doing something else. I should be doing something else. What am I doing right now? What am I doing wrong? So you know, I, I end up trying to fill up some of my time with work that could be profitable for the future in some mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. And the work mm-hmm. I'm doing, like the, the watercolors that I've been doing. Mm-hmm. Well, there, you're teaching yourself something there, you know? You're, oh, yeah. You're giving, Absolutely. giving yourself a whole new medium, a whole new skill set. I, I mean, not all the time you spend on art needs to be... Uh, Oh no no no! Making money—it's sometimes you sometimes you just want to um, ex- you just want to do something personal so that you can take risks and extend your skill set. Sometimes, because uh, I mean, it's harder to do it's harder to do that when you're doing a job because a, a client might not be happy with the results, or you you might you might not be happy, and you might not feel that it reflects your best work, and you might not want it out there. Oh, yeah. Well, I was having a conversation with a friend, you know, about uh, the kind of work that I'd like to be doing or the kind of work that I could see myself doing or taking on uh, maybe developing more self-directed projects and doing things a bit more personal to me. Mm-hmm. Then I realized the, we both realized, of course, that the, the challenge of that is that when you are con- consistently underfunded, mm-hmm. then those opportunities do not present. You know, you, it's, it's tough to say you want to put out a, say you want to put out a short run book of something. Yeah. If you don't have the funds, even if your work is, would make for a decent book, if you don't have the funds, it's simply not going to happen. Yeah. I mean, you have to, because you have to be making money from somewhere. So like I've been hanging on to this crappy day job for a really long time now because I've been afraid that I'll have a bad month and it'll totally mess with everything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the day job doesn't even pay that well. And all it's doing is getting in the way. I've had to turn down some really good freelance work because of it. Um, I haven't been doing as much work as I should be. And, you know, even though I'm not doing as much work as I should be, I still make more art than I do at the crappy day job. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, you know, I, I think it's time that I, I stopped being such a massive chicken and, <laughs> and got back into freelancing full time and, and put this stupid job by the wayside where it belongs. 
I was gonna, I was gonna, I was gonna quit this month, but then a couple of people took time off at all at the same time, so now I'm gonna have to quit next month. But I think I will actually do it this time. Good. There you go. Hooray for you. Yeah, hooray for me. That means I'm gonna be av- that means I'm gonna be available a lot more. So if anybody needs artists and they're listening, um, you might want to try to hire me next month because uh, um, after after that I don't know how much work I'll have or if I take on any long term projects. But at the beginning of next month, I will definitely be taking on more work. Hmm. All right. Well, good for you. Uh, I'll be looking forward to seeing the the. Uh deluge of awesome art coming out from uh, Sokar Studios. Yeah, here's hoping it's awesome anyway. Uh I don't know. Don't you just don't you just hate it when you get to kind of a plateau and you, you know. Oh, I know. Oh god, I I've actually been there for several months. I've just been kind of feeling uh, I need to work my way through, but on the other hand, I I haven't really had a chance to do a lot of freelance work lately. I've been stuck at my own day job, even though my day job, luckily, is is art. <laughs> it's you know, it's very uh, it's not experimental in any way. It's not uh, super illustrative, and I've been having fun, but I haven't been uh, haven't been able to explore anything new and different, uh, at least in technique. Now, although I have to say my drawing, I, I've been exploring a lot of new things. I've been doing a lot of kids' work, a lot of cartooning work that I really uh, love doing when I get the chance every once in a while. So that's been nice. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I haven't been able to really work on my personal projects very much, and I've, and I've been feeling bad about that. So hopefully that'll clear up sometime soon. Uh, hey, hey, so that was a great subject. Indeed. No. Fantastic topic. That killed a lot of time. I think people who are sitting at home trying to stave off boredom and the, uh, the existential ennui of uh, wanting to actually kill themselves while they do art have probably appreciated all of this babbling. The Ninja Mountain Podcast. We come within 50 feet of your ears, despite the restraining orders. <laughs> I was uh, I worked uh, I was uh, I was working in the office all of yesterday, and I was I was laboring under the delusion that it was in fact Friday. <laughs> you loser. Yeah, yeah. What? <laughs> for for those of you who uh, don't know when this was recorded, yesterday was in fact Saturday. Yes, not Friday. <laughs> so I labored in the in the studio all of Saturday, believing it Friday. Yay weekend. Yay, weekend. I yeah, haven't that, had a that's a, weekend for years. That's an important thing about freelancing. You need to maintain a stable of friends who have normal jobs. Otherwise, you'll never know what day of the week it is. Really good point. Really good point. My, my, and otherwise, you won't have anybody to borrow money from when your clients don't pay you for a few weeks. <laughs> that is true. Well, actually, my mother says I can borrow money from her whenever. That's nice. So... I would never be in this situation, but you know it's embarrassing to borrow money from your parents, so I probably wouldn't actually do that. <laughs> uh-huh. you know, the 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 punchline to all of this though is that um, when I made this realization, I found myself basically shrugging and going back to work, and I'm not sure if that's a good thing. <laughs> I don't know if I should be. Uh, <clears throat> somewhat a bit more of a balanced individual, you know, taking a, a weekend here and there. 
Oh, well, what's the difference? <laughs> well, you know, you're a freelancer. You can take a weekend whatever. You can take a weekend on Wednesday and Thursday. This is true. Right. Except now I'm, I'm, I find myself working because I've got, um, I'm working on a couple of projects and both of them pretty much are, I feel are, would be best served if completed by end of month. So um, it's especially with I, Gen Con fast approaching. Personally, I've got uh, two. No, I've got uh, two things I want to do today for the rest of the day that are going to involve just putting my head down and doing nothing but drawing. So that ought to be that ought to be fun. Uh, a lot of pressure, but but hopefully fun. Mm-hmm. Totally different things too. One sort of a fantasy uh, art. Uh, commission of a character and the other is a bunch of uh, conceptual drawings for a kids game mm-hmm. for little kids characters so I get to put my head in a couple different spaces <laughs> well, that's cool um, so well, what is that you're doing there so it sounds like you're shuffling cards oh, I'm sorry there were some birds on my balcony so I was taking photographs of them trying to get pictures of them flapping their wings but they were uh-huh. just uh, they were just like lifting up their tails at me. They're so rude. They are. Hey, uh, have we mentioned lately your uh, your blog with you and, uh, or should we mention that on here? Uh, you can mention. You can mention if you want. Yeah, I, I love it. I subscribe to it. It's uh, you and your sister, mm-hmm. and uh, lots of photographs. And uh, you wanna you wanna go into it, or should I, should I? Should I do all the appraising? Uh, it's called called Aardvark and Donkey. Yeah, I'm the, I'm the Aardvark. My sister's the donkey. Although I'm sure you two argue about that all the time. Actually, no, because uh, <laughs> um, our father our father used to call us those names when we were little kids. Not the most flattering names, I know. Surely the Aardvark is the more noble of the species. <laughs> The the artwork is is extremely unusual. The donkey's a little more ordinary, although more useful. All in all, <laughs> yeah, I don't think there's really any use for an aardvark. Yeah, nobody ever really bothered to saddle up the aardvark and ride into town. Yeah, I guess if you, exactly. have, an, I guess if you have an ant problem, an aardvark might be kind of a good thing to have around. Oh, well, that's true. But nobody's ever looked at a donkey and said, "What a really interesting animal." <laughs> I know they've said that about aardvarks. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great little blog, uh, every, or pretty much every, uh, installment has a picture by both sisters of interesting, random, strange things, and they, uh, they amuse me greatly, and they're, they're excellent photos for the most part, and, uh, even the ones that aren't excellent are at least interesting, and you can uh, subscribe to it and get it right to your email and see all their little pictures every day. I, I, I like your blog. I've been posting a lot of birdwatching fail lately. Like yesterday, I posted two pictures of birds with their heads cut off. <laughs> now, do you, do you find yourself, do you actually go outside to take these photos? Sometimes. Sometimes? I don't know. I've been doing a lot of balcony bird watching because um, I, I just bought this um, Nikon lens. It's a 300 millimeter prime. Uh, I, and anybody who's into bird watching photography knows that this lens weighs like three and a half pounds and it's huge. 
And I don't want to be the creep walking around the neighborhood with a telephoto lens. <laughs> Shooting up into windows. <laughs> people, people, people might not realize I was birding. They might think I was like trying to get pictures of them picking their noses or something. You're reenacting your favorite scenes from Rear Window. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're going to witness a murder. <laughs> yeah, with Perry Mason murdering his wife. Oops, I shouldn't have given away the ending. You gave it away. You bastard. Spoil alert. Spoiler alert. Everyone should still see that movie because awesome it's really movie. great with, uh, uh, what's his name? Um, I don't know. That guy, J- Jimmy Stewart. You know, Jimmy Stewart in the role of Sokar Miles. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Very good movie. Oh, man. <laughs> and uh, Grace Kelly plays uh, Jeremy McHugh. That's it's, right. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Quite a good I'll movie. just curl up in Silcar's lap as she sits in her wheelchair with a br- leg broken. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> My 200-pound body just crushing her. <laughs> yeah, and Perry Mason playing the part of Patrick McAvoy. It's a good movie. There you go. Everyone should see it twice. <laughs> so, uh, here, I've got, I've got something interesting to talk about. Sure. Um, uh, interstitial music. Okay, a new subject. Um, <laughs> I'm glad you sang, because that saves me the trouble of having to do that. Exactly. <laughs> Production values unlimited. Uh, something I'm, we may have mentioned in the past once or twice, but I was just reminded of it uh, recently. And I found the mother load of where to get a really good scan of it. It's called uh, Wally Wood's 22 Panels That Always Work. Oh, yeah. Comic book artists. And you've always been able to look around the internet and find crappy uh, scans of it. But uh, I just recently was looking around and found the place to get it from the guy who actually owns the original uh, pasted up artwork because uh, the original art was all lost in a fire many years ago but back in the uh, 70s uh, Larry Hama who's a comic book artist and inker and all around guy uh, was a, an assistant to Wallywood uh, back in probably the 60s and had gotten a lot of uh, good copies of these things that Wally Wood had around, which he would give to his assistants and say, you know, if you're ever stuck, here's a, here's a group of panels that I have discovered <laughs> always mm-hmm. work in storytelling. You know, they're visually interesting. They tell the story nicely. And as the uh, subtitle says on the page, uh, some interesting ways to get some variety into those boring panels where some dumb writer has a bunch of lame characters sitting around and talking for page <laughs> after page. <laughs> <laughs> so these these are pretty good uh, it's great to read and sort of internalize uh, but heck it's it's good to have a copy sitting around I, I had a copy near my desk when I was doing my graphic novel a couple of years ago and it is uh, great inspiration uh, we can put a, a link to the show notes of this page I finally I don't know why I never found it before, but it's the guy who had bought this original art years ago, and then he made some high... It's not original art. It's the original pasted-up page that somebody did that Larry Hama then did the lettering on and kind of uh, cleaned up. And uh, he's got nice big scans, uh, and, it's, and it's beautiful. It's, it's good stuff. You know what I should do real quickly 
is go on to Skype and talk to you guys. There. I just sent you a link. Nice. Oh, wait. No, I sent you a stupid link. That's the link from my, <laughs> that's the link from my computer. You're an idiot. I'm an hey, idiot. <laughs> well, did, you guys, did you guys talk about Rob Liefeld last week? Uh, last, no, we ended up... Uh, we ended up really not talking about that because we didn't want to get into a, a big argument. Yeah. <laughs> Huge <laughs> argument. It would have been a blowout. I don't, I don't know. Are, are your opinions really that divided? I mean, I don't I think just, so. I, I, I defended Liefeld one time in Ninja Mountain, and you guys all laughed at me. And then you break out defending him too, Jeremy. What's up with that? Well, I, didn't like, laugh. I didn't laugh at you. You totally laughed when? at me. That time if when you, I, you should have. <laughs> well, you know my theory about Rob Liefeld is I was saying this to Patrick I think he knows the things that are wrong with his art and you know there's enough stuff that's decent about his art that I think if he really wanted to fix the stuff that's wrong with it he would so I think he either likes the attention or he just likes his art the way it is it's entirely yeah, and those are both wrong. You shouldn't want <laughs> negative attention, and you shouldn't I like. Know, you, you know what? Is. You know what? You know what? I I don't know if if I could make the amount of money that Rob Liefeld makes, and the price for it would be some negative attention. I'd be like, I I don't know what what would I do to get negative attention? I'd be like drawing asses in all my drawings, even the ones that weren't supposed to have asses. Or, <laughs> I mean, I, w- I would be drawing, like, women with weird anatomy so that you can see their boobs and their butts from the same angle. <laughs> and, and, you know, if, if what it's, and I'd be drawing people with no feet, and I'd be drawing people with a little hole in their face instead of yeah. a nose. And if, well, if, if, Here's if that, the thing. And if I would then be earning millions, I would be, I would be doing it, and I would be loving it. Uh, this is really the worst defense of a person I've ever heard. <laughs> no, it's, it's, Let me not, just... it's not bad defense. I'm saying that, you know, if, if this is truly what's going on, I think Rob Liefeld is a smart businessman, and he, he knows what gets him the attention, he knows what mm-hmm. gets him the sales, and he's capitalizing on it. And, I mean, seriously, if we're all honest with ourselves, isn't that what we all want? Don't we all want to be people who are, you know, making a comfortable living from what we do and uh, having uh, not necessarily um, other artists phoning all over us, but having a loyal fan following, which Rob Liefeld definitely has. No, you can't argue with that. He has people who always buy his work and, uh, you know, he he pisses me off more than anything else (laughs) because he's, he's got... You're I think, jealous, aren't you? You're no, no, no. It's it's you're totally jelly. <laughs> it's that he's so good looking, and I can never have him. No, it's because he's uh, he's got a lot of excitement to his work, and he's got a lot of definite verve, and he's got a style. You, you can't deny that. He's got. You can always look at it, and you go, "Oh, that's." That's Liefeld. Art right there. That's yeah, some Liefeld going on. <laughs> There's Liefeld all over that paper, and you have to say you have to hand him that, and you know, wipe your hands off after you've handed it to him. But 
he pisses me off because that is such a great foundation. He's got an excitement to every page he does, no matter how badly laid out or drawn it is. And he's he's got a he's got a real style that you can't, you've got to say you know you can't confuse it with anybody else and all these things. But he's never given how long twenty five years in the industry improved one iota. He, he just well, maybe, I don't know. and maybe that I think is enough to really I don't know uh, maybe justify story, being maybe, pissed off. Maybe the storytelling is more his thing. I don't know. I've never read any of his comics. I hate superhero crap. But <laughs> you oh. know, I I used to totally hate Rob Liefeld because this one time, like a long long time ago, I was in my favorite comic book shop reading a comic, and Rob Liefeld came in and instead of being like. Hey, I'm here to sign some comics. Like you expect, he yelled, "Yeah, Jehubi!" and scared the pants off me. But then years later, I found out that it actually wasn't Rob Liefeld. It was that other guy. Who so, was the other guy? I don't know. Oh, what the hell is his name? He did that comic with all the sword fighting and the and the breasts and the misogyny. See, no, I thought you were just cracking a joke when you wrote that on my uh, Facebook page. No, no, I was totally serious. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would. I don't know. I almost want to be in the store on that day just to witness what you witnessed. Yeah, he, this this guy came in. And he was going to sign some comics, and I thought it was Rob Liefeld. I don't know why I thought that, but it wasn't. It was this other guy. Oh. oh. So I, I hated Rob Liefeld for years, and I took every opportunity to totally poke fun at him. And then I discovered that my whole grudge against Rob Liefeld was total bullshit. It was some other dude. Hmm. I, mean, I would just, I think it probably bears mention for those who do not uh, follow me on Facebook, which I, I think there are more than that don't than do. Um, <laughs> I, I would say uh, I didn't go out in defense of Rob Liefeld's work. What I, what I did yeah, was, did. Hmm? no, no, no. What <laughs> I did was I disliked the, the rather hurtful bashing that was this blog seemed dedicated to to undertaking on his behalf. If you follow me, it was a, it was a blog that put a great deal of effort into oh, okay. bashing this That's singular four, cartoonist. 40, 40 worst uh, is it forty worst panels uh, you know, by Rob Liefeld? Yeah, it was I, it was a you somewhat. See, I, I don't. I, I I can't agree with you at all. I mean, I understand your point of view, yeah. and you're a nicer person than I am. But, <laughs> I'm just. Uh, I, I think it, I'm just it, taking the Christian view on things. It's maybe not, <laughs> it's not hurtful. It's if anything restrained. It, it's just it, it's just it's telling it's showing you these awful panels and then sort of I'm, describing I'm, why they're awful I'm or pages. To, well, I just I'm, put I'm myself. Decide, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to decide how it would feel if somebody posted um, forty of my worst drawings on a oh, blog. Oh, mine, mine. Uh, yeah, don't get me wrong. Mine would be even worse if if they tried to pick forty really bad pictures I'd done and put them up. I'm sure they'd be even worse than that. No, but then no, I'm, I'm not, not rich not and famous. Even, that's, not, that's not even what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm not even saying like um, uh, would how how you know how would what would they choose or would mine be worse than Liefeld's or would they be better than Liefeld's or or what? That's not really the point. The point the point I'm making is um, oh, and I forgot what it was. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not sure how I feel about that. I mean, on the one hand, I'd probably be kind of flattered because somebody had uh, 
some because my work would obviously have been out there enough for somebody to go through my entire oeuvre. How do you pronounce that word? I don't That's correct. French. <laughs> yeah, I think you came out pretty darn close, except you added a few extra syllables. Yeah, uh, well, whatever. A few, just, <laughs> I, I'd, be kind of, I'd be kind of flattered that somebody had gone through my entire body of work and, and, <laughs> and, and looked through it enough to, you know, draw out and critique the 40 worst parts. But on the other hand, you know, especially if they had a good point, it would be kind of dis- discouraging to see all the places where I fucked up gathered together in one place. But then I'm not. I'm at, at the same point. At the same time, I have to think I'm not as successful as Rob Liefeld, so it would probably be a lot more painful for me to see than for him to see because, you know, he's won all kinds of prizes. He's famous in comics. He's uh, he he knows everybody, and everybody knows him. So he can be like, eh, screw you, I'm better than you. <laughs> and I, can't, I don't really have that luxury because I've won no prizes and um, I have a day job and uh, um, I stopped freelancing full time because I couldn't even get my clients to pay me. <laughs> well, I, I, I look at it this way. If someone wanted to go through my whole backlog of artwork, they could find a whole lot more than 40 and <laughs> of my worst images. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm thinking, I'm with you. how would I feel <laughs> well, you know, I if there was a website I... dedicated to pointing out, without any kind of balance, the failures that I have, that I have undertaken? You see, that's one reason I want to win a Nobel Prize so badly. Because once I get a Nobel Prize, no matter what anybody says about me, I can be like, screw you, Nina, Nina, I have a Nobel Prize. I am therefore better than you categorically no matter what I just did that's a good answer and that's Rob Liefeld's answer and uh, Mm -hmm. hey more power to him his his answer can be well screw you I'm rich and uh, I get work from from Marvel and DC and uh, I have my own comics publishing empire so screw you and that's, that's a perfectly fine answer uh, if if he likes that answer, that's a good answer for him. I just like to have the option of giving that answer. <laughs> uh, I mean, even if nobody ever said anything nasty to me or made fun of my art, I just like to have the option of having some big achievement like Rob Liefeld has that I could um, that I could um, sort of lean back on and say, "Well, look, I've got this, and you don't." So. Screw you, you, uh, <laughs> you, negativing, uh, uh, crazy uh, meanie. <laughs> yeah. So, so let's let's take a step back to that uh, subject I was doing before. Sure. Now, now that we've all decided that that Patrick's a jerk and you guys are no, real no, nice. You're not it. <laughs> no, no, Patrick, you're not really a jerk. <laughs> no, 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 I am. I you know, am. a couple of people, a couple of people in Jeremy's post were saying that, uh, you know, they know people who've, uh, they know artists who've been the targets of some bashing. Um, and it always seems to be kind of unreasonable and it can be really hurtful. And, and you know, when I, when I saw that, I was like, you know, if I ever made fun of Rob Liefeld, now I feel kind of bad because, I remember when I first started posting on online sites like Epilogue and stuff, I was getting like hundreds of hate mails for a while. And it actually turned out that they were all coming from three people that banded together to hate on me. So mm-hmm. it just looked like I was getting hate mails from hundreds of people, but it was actually just three. Mm. <laughs> mostly, mostly just one of them. <laughs> so, um, 
Well, mm. my, my thoughts on that is one, don't feel guilty if you poked fun before. Feel proud that you learned better. You know, no, it's, it's, you know that's the way I, I kind of go about life. I mean, you can carry guilt with you to the day you die. No, I'm not what, guilty what, at all. Well, <laughs> exactly. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> what I'm saying, though, is I felt really bad about that. But then I was just starting out my freelance career when that happened. And there was really no reason for so much hate. And I just did not understand what I did to have hundreds of people loathing me so much. And. But you know, I probably I wouldn't I wouldn't really I wouldn't really have felt bad about it if I'd had a nice long career behind me and made plenty of money and I had that confidence to lean back on. But and you know, I felt a lot better when I found out it was just a couple of deranged haters and and, and not actually hundreds of independent people all privately hating my art. <laughs> that was a good thing. Yeah, that that was seriously weird. I, I still. To this day, I, I don't know what I did to merit that level of loathing. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, that, that's, I think. Well, I, see, I think uh, uh, Patrick was going to take us back to another topic, which I thought was fine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so go to your uh, go to your Skype thing and uh, notice the the links that I've sent you, and we'll put those up in the show notes. Ah, uh, yes. Look at that lovely. If you hit the last one there, just the JPEG, mm-hmm. I'll show you. So uh, this is. Um, Wallywood's 22 panels that always work. He was a really successful comics artist in the 50s. Uh, worked for uh, EC Comics, did a lot of great science fiction and horror um, work. And then he was working for Mad when it was a comic book um, and just, you know, making tons of money. And as the 60s approached, all illustrators, especially comics illustrators, started making considerably less money and one of the things he had to do oops sorry about that uh one of the things he had to do was uh uh streamline his approach and and take on assistance and uh you know figure figure out quick ways to do great work and so this was something he did which was his uh thing to remind himself mostly uh, you know, not to get stuck going down a rabbit hole as you're doing your comic book pages because you have to do so many drawings every month to make a living as a comic book artist. Uh, so here were what he had boiled down to some panels that are always going to be good go-to things. And, uh, yeah, it's kind of, kind of nice to to see, uh, you know, look into his head. And you look at these and you say, yeah, these are things you see whenever you, you – uh, look at a comic book and come across a panel like one of these, he'll say, yeah, they, they really do always, always work nicely. Um, the, most of them are pretty self-explanatory. You know, you start with like the big head of somebody talking and the extreme close up and the, you know, the two shot of somebody over their shoulder and somebody looking at you, uh, some profiles. Uh, then you get to an interesting, uh, thing about, uh, Ben day, which he mentions a few places in it, which, uh, a lot of artists don't even know what he'd be referring to, but uh, he'd be referring to something that was like uh, Zipatone, 
mm-hmm. or uh, Letraset. Uh, it was a film with dots or lines or patterns or things that you could cut out and put onto your page. Uh, so, like, uh, when you come across the one that says White Bend Day, that just means you take your drawing and you put the White Bend Day dots over it to knock it back. And there's a few on here that mention Ben Day, so that would be uh, that uh, film. So these days, of course, working in Photoshop or whatever, is this, it's uh, the same principle would just be knock it back somehow, either with a texture or with by knocking back the color or, or, or uh, knocking out the white. Or, I'm sorry, knocking out the uh, black lines you can do these days and replace them with color mm-hmm. instead of... Uh, having everything with black lines. So, you know, there's a lot of tricks you can use these days that sort of uh, take the same ecological niche as that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when most of the EC comics printed in color? I remember reading Tales from the Crypt, and I'm sure yeah. I'm positive those were in color. Oh, oh, well, it was the 1950s. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so it was... Uh, they were really big in the early 50s, especially uh, before the... Uh, in the United States, they started up this Comics Code Authority. Oh, I know. It ruined everything. Ruined everything. Well, it was especially targeted at EC to get them to, uh, you know, be less interesting. <laughs> be less and, you, know, you know, I, I, I never really understood that because EC comics were so, I mean, they were so very moral. <laughs> I mean, the, the the bad person always got what was coming to them. Uh, it, was, it was like little mini morality plays contained in every one of them. You never saw, you never saw like um, the bad guy walking off into the sunset, chortling into his beard. Well, I know. saw. I remember seeing some um, early footage where they're using to support in support of uh, the findings. Regarding uh, the delinquency of children in connection to comics, mm-hmm. there was this one excerpt of footage where you have a young a young boy is reading a comic book, and he sets it down, and immediately turns around, walks to a tree, and starts jabbing it with a pocket knife. <laughs> For I mean, no, un, totally unmotivated. He just puts it down, goes over to the tree, and starts jabbing at it like he's psycho. Well, yeah, a, I, I know that's what yeah. I always do after I finish reading a comic book. I jab it at you with my pocket knife. And, you, and you've got yeah. that typical, you've got that uh, narrator in the background who sounds very informed. Mm. You know, it's like, watch as this child sets down his comic book and proceeds to attack that tree. You know, that sort of thing, yes. Well, there, there was a whole uh, uh, hysteria being whipped up back then, mostly by by one guy, Frederick Wortham, mm-hmm. uh, who uh, wrote a book called Seduction of the Innocent. And, uh, you know, if you haven't heard about this uh, part of comic book history, listeners, it's a good thing to look up because it's also a good uh, uh, a good lesson of what can happen at any point if you let that sort of thing get out of hand. And he did this whole pseudoscientific uh, study of... Um, juvenile delinquency and pretty much came up with the idea that, well, juvenile delinquency is all caused by comic books because all the juvenile delinquents read comic books. <laughs> Which back then was all kids read comic books. And so, of course, all juvenile delinquents read comic books. But he uh, he was everywhere. He was writing... Uh, yeah. He was Letters writing articles editor. constantly in big yeah. magazines. He was writing books. He was, uh, you know, just 
really ripping all of her comics, and they were almost banned. I mean, it really came close. There was a U.S. Yeah, I mean, now, nowadays, you read, nowadays you read stuff like that, and you kind of laugh because it sounds so silly and quaint and bizarre. But yeah, <laughs> so things like that actually ruined. Uh, EC Comics, uh, and really any chance comics in America had at becoming aimed at a more adult market. Because EC, you know, we look at it nowadays, it is kind of silly. I think, well, that was an adult, but it was <laughs> aimed at least towards teenagers. Uh, yeah, and I mean, who well, had I mean, who had emerging tastes as adults, yeah. and that was completely stunted uh, in America for over thirty years because of that. Plus, comics, the comics were a pretty new art form back then, a pretty new form of storytelling. I mean, they'd only sort of really been around in the form we know them now since maybe, what was it, like the 1930s or so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as well, books, yeah. So, I mean, I mean, yeah, if you, if you read Tales from the Crypt right now, it's if you read it now in, in the 2010s, sure, it's, it's a little cheesy. It's uh, sort of, you know, very form, very formulaic little morality play stories that it has going on. And, um, you know, the art is, uh, it is not, not all of the art is sophisticated, but I have to say I love it because it's very energetic and it's a big inspiration for me. Um, well, and and it, is it is pretty sophisticated. It was a huge leap forward at its time. People like looking back and looking back at it now, there's more sophisticated stuff out there, and it, it, mm-hmm. it might look a bit cheesy to today's audience. But in those days, it was sort of part of an emerging art form. It was, it was very new. It was kind of daring and adventurous, and it was, it was great. And, and um, yeah. it's, re- it's really a shame that it sort of got nipped off in the bud before it could uh, evolve, keep evolving the way it was. And I know yeah. a lot of people would have been interested in seeing uh, where that would have been taken. Yeah, that was uh, that was a real tragedy. Actually, that's one of the big subtexts of uh, the Watchmen comic book is in his uh, you know alternate history um comic books uh were obviously never hit by the comics code and because there were real life superheroes superheroes never really took off in comic books either and so you get that fantastic uh you know tales of the black freighter his whole idea mm-hmm. that well what would have been popular would be pirate comic books <laughs> you know i would actually have bought that I thought that I, I love that I loved that whole segment with the tales of the Black Fraser. That was my favorite part of the Watchmen. <laughs> Especially, I did. I, I think it was because it reminded me of Tales from the Crypt. I, I loved the part when he was, you know, writing and he was writing on the raft with the human bodies to buoy up. Oh yeah, definitely. That's all. That, that was awesome. Man. Extrapolating like what would have happened if EC Comics was able to keep going and then do. These super dark pirate comics. That that's such good stuff. I, uh, I, I love I, I love that part. That was very that was very great and, and uh, it, it definitely put a little smile on my face there. It was <laughs> it was kind of interesting in that uh, the era we were describing here with uh, during the early comics code and uh, the the damage it did to the industry. You look mm-hmm. at um, the proliferation of magazine publishers. Who started producing more? Who started to, to basically to sidestep 
the Comics Code, they produced magazine format books which were not overseen by that. So you could continue to have stories that were appealing to a, a more mature audience. Um, be a prime, be, I guess Erie would be a prime example. Yeah. Erie, uh, the War- Warren Publishing. Mm-hmm. The Warren the Books. One. And uh, it, they still didn't make a ton of money. They couldn't pay a lot to their artists. No. But they did attract all of the best uh, artists working in black and white in the sort of horror uh, eerie genres back in the 60s and 70s. Uh, they, uh, yeah, they had their flagship comic was uh, creepy, and then they started Eerie, which is essentially just the exact same book. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then uh, Vamprella, which started out also as exactly the same book, except started to feature the uh, host hostess Vamprella in the stories and like the each of the other two had little host characters but they were never featured in the stories but Vamprella sort of went from being an anthology to being all about her and so yeah that was really good stuff that lasted through the 60s and 70s and yeah you're right had absolutely no worry about the comics code and they're reprinting those these days in fantastic volumes from Dark Horse uh, Creepy and Eerie and Vamprella uh, all in black and white, beautiful printing. They, and yeah, those have artists like uh, uh, Al Williamson and Frazetta. And uh, I think, yeah, there's some Wallywood in there, I think. And uh, lots of the EC Comics uh, artists and then some of the best folks from the 60s and 70s. Uh, Bernie Wrightson did a lot of good stuff for Warren Publishing. Um, and I, I, I could go on and on about that stuff. <laughs> I've always kind of felt like I missed out, you know, by by not being around to be in to draw for those comics. I think I think I would have been awesome in Tales from the Crypt when I, I, I when, when I was a kid. I, the, I mean, I, when I first started getting into art, that was like my dream job: drawing horror comics for Tales from the Crypt. And I didn't know at the time that they had stopped printing them a long time ago. <laughs> I assume that something like that must still be out there. But. There are still horror anthologies out there. You're, you know, yeah, I, yeah. Like yeah. zombie anthologies, as you've taken part in, things like that. Zombies, yeah. apparently, what, are, they, are they the new vampire, basically, in terms of popularity? I think so. And, you know, it's so annoying for me because zombies are my least favorite undeaders. <laughs> <laughs> You've got like uh, a, there's a there's a spectrum of undead that you actually find. Yeah, there's a spectrum of an undead appeal. My favorite is ghouls, which aren't really undead at all. They're sons of Iblis, and they but they have a lot of the same uh, attributes as undead. That it's like they they eat human flesh. They can assume the form of a dead person. Um, they they live forever or as close to forever as you can get. Um, they walk among people and ghouls are especially scary because they can pass for human because they can assume the forms of dead people that they've consumed. Um, so ghouls are my favorite undeaders. Hmm. And then maybe banshees because that scream they can do is so creepy. And, um, I've always been partial to stitched together abominations. Yeah, I guess those are undead. Yeah, like Frankenstein's monster. Those are some good undeads. Oh, yeah. Who needs Um, symmetry? I I don't really like vampires because drinking blood kind of grosses me out. Um, 
and, and also Twilight. <laughs> what are you saying? You don't like your vampires glittery and beautiful? Well, if I if there must be vampires, I want them to be more like um, Nosferatu, you know, like all horrible looking with long nails and actually scary. We like vampires that would look at home on the back of a unicorn. Apparently, um, that's that's uh, sort of the uh, thing that they seem to be shooting for with uh, Twilight, for instance. No, I don't like tame vampires. I like um, if, if, if there's going to be vampires, they should be. I mean, it's, it's a horrible beast that sucks human blood out of people's necks. That should be a scary thing, not a sexy thing. Um, the I, I'm not predators. Fan. Yeah, I'm not really. I'm not really a fan of Twilight and you know Anne Rice and uh, um, I guess whoever else. Um, so yeah, I think I think ghouls are just the most awesome, and then all other undeads kind of, and then zombies are the worst because they're so nasty and smelly and they eat brains. <laughs> 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 but zombies are so popular. I don't know. I don't know why zombies are more popular than other undeaders. I would have thought ghouls would be like way popular. Maybe people just maybe ghouls just don't get so much publicity. Maybe I should do something with ghouls to show people how awesome they are. You could be the person that makes ghouls popular. I thought about writing a Twilight parody with ghouls. <laughs> 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 but then I was like, then I'd actually have to read Twilight. <laughs> oh god, that, that would be rough. Yeah, that would just be too emotionally scarring. I woke up in the middle of the night one time and Twilight was on TV and I saw part of it and I was like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> Nightmares. It was horrifying. It was I, horrible. I, I sat through the first movie at home. I, I couldn't bear to watch it in the theater, but I watched it at home. I'm yeah. sorry. And I realized... That the main crux of the of this uh, the whole this whole iteration of vampires was that essentially we don't come out in the daytime not because we'll be burned alive by the by the life giving sun, but because we glitter. Yes, it's because <laughs> and if you parse down his argument, we don't come out in daylight because we're too beautiful. Oh yeah, that's a basically. I mean, that's like that's essentially what his uh, argument boiled down to. Her argument, I think it was written by a woman. Well, I'm talking about the character. Oh, 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 the character's argument. So he doesn't come out in the sunlight because he's too beautiful. He's too beautiful. They glitter. They're too beautiful. Well, I was just going to, one last thing, and I would say, you've, you had a really interesting, you found a really cool resource there. And uh, I actually like, um, if you head on over to hollydewolf.blogspot.com, you'll find, uh, she's a, she maintains a very regularly posted blog, and it's interesting on, the business side of freelancing. In fact, she has a Facebook group that is pretty much, I believe it is called the business side of illustration. And uh, you can find that on Facebook if you're so inclined. It's a very worthy, very worthy uh, item to follow online. But that's, that's my little, uh, it's, it came from the web moment. It came from the web. Came from the web. <laughs> now there would be a scary comic. So if you folks would like to comment, head on over to ninjamountain.blogspot.com. We are currently nearing completion of ninjamountain.org, which will be a new site that will feature all content from the blog. And we'll be able, you'll be able to post, post comments and do all the things that we could normally do at Blogspot. But we'll, uh, we will announce that when it's completely ready. 
Oh, um, we were going to ask for some suggestions as well for the forum. Oh, yeah. If you want to head on over, you can have a look, have a look through. And if you have any suggestions for us, please uh, feel free to drop comment on it. Yeah, just to add to that, we're, we are we're working on having a forum um, uh, that that will have some public access, um, and yeah, um, if you want to tell us what you'd like to. S- we haven't really done much to it yet, so we're, work- we're still working on that. But uh, if you'd like to tell us what sorts of um, categories and uh, um, activities and uh, resources you'd like there to be available on the forum, mm-hmm. uh, any suggestions you have, we might not take them if it would be too much work for us because we're lazy. We're all a bunch <laughs> of volunteers here. Kieran has been working very hard on the site, and Patrick has been able to step in. and. Yeah. Uh, They've, the two Karen, of them have achieved no, no, a lot. Uh, I, I wouldn't even count me. Mostly Karen. 98. Oh, 98% of it is definitely 98.9% is Karen. So. But I didn't yeah, want to ignore your contribution. <laughs> yeah. Karen's really been busting his butt. Oh, yeah. So, He's been putting so much yeah. work into it. So we it, are doing our part now by asking for you guys to do some more of our work for us and tell us what you want to see. Uh, so, um, <laughs> That's the way that works. So this is gonna, so um, we're not we're we're not we're not totally sure what uh, what everyone's going to want. If you want a critique section or a post your art section or a, you know announcements about wherever the ninjas are going to be, if you want to meet us uh, or what what you want to see or on the forum or avoid us cause... or avoid us, yeah. <laughs> you know, I was actually thinking about I was thinking about conventions lately, and do they have Wi-Fi at those things? Yeah, usually. Because if they have Wi-Fi, wouldn't it be possible for me to like um, uh, share the cost of a table or booth or whatever you have there with somebody and just send my art along? But instead of being there, um, whoever I was sharing with would just take a laptop and put Skype on it, and I would like just video conference in, and I'd be there. It'd be almost like an EtherCon kind of thing. That'd be yeah, weird. Yeah, I mean, why not? It's, I mean, I. I it works could, uh, all those like sci-fi thrillers, you know. The people are in the boardroom, and there's one guy standing at the head of the <laughs> uh, of the table, and everyone else is just monitors that are kind of spinning around to regard him. Yeah, well, that would be your perfect opportunity to to kill somebody, because then you'd have this great alibi. And say, no, no, I was at home. You see, you were really at the convention. Uh, pretending but, to be video conferencing in from home when you were actually killing your arch enemy. So Cara's attending this year's convention from her underground lair. But it would, but it would all be actually just pre-recorded footage of me at home. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I get it. So. No, I, I think that would, I think that would actually be pretty awesome if it was possible for me to just be there on a laptop so I could see what was going on through the video thingy on the laptop mm-hmm. and people and people at the convention could see me and talk to me but i wouldn't actually have to be there <laughs> but of course the only way that it could work would be for me to share a booth with somebody because somebody would have to be there to to conference me in and to man the booth and then i just send some art along <laughs> there you go there's a there's a way that no one's ever thought of i'm sure well, I don't know. I'm sure people have thought of it, and I was just thinking, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, the, I'm the I think I'm the only ninja who's never had the chance to go to a convention. So um, maybe maybe next time one of you ninjas is going to a convention, you could consider 
bringing laptops to car with you. It'll be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put a little name tag on the computer too. It says, I'll just say so car. <laughs> yeah, maybe put a little turbo antenna on top of it because I was doing antenna and stuff. <laughs> we could be um, walking around with so car under your arm. Totally. I mean, we've already we've already done some pretty technologically advanced stuff, taking the ninja recorder along to convention. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, pretty space age. We're, we're gonna yeah. land. Let's, uh, so I really need to get. Yeah, going, let's so let Patrick go. Okay, but, sorry um, about that, guys. I was just I just wanted I I've been thinking about that and I <laughs> wanted to get it in, just uh, just in case anybody was up for that. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm glad you did. I'm glad you did. Well, Ninja, as you say, ninjamountain.org is almost live, and uh, but you, we'll, we're still very much active on ninjamountain.blogspot.com, where all, as always you can find uh, links to us at Visual Artist Pod. Uh, was it? It was it. Blah, 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 blah. I'm just totally tired right now, guys. Sorry. <laughs> Visual Artist Podcast Network. Com, and I'd like to thank Sokar Miles. Woohoo! Com. Patrick McAvoy. Woohoo! Stop biting my exit. <laughs> <laughs> and I am Jeremy McHugh, and I can be found at McHughStews.com. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Cue the musication. Dun, da, 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 da. That's a totally outgoing music right there. Totally. That's a little jazz riff. Keep going. Keep going. Uh, like yeah. the Superman theme. Da 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 da. No, it was like I think it was like the the, the little jingle that played when you when you got uh, when you scored a point in one of those old Sierra adventure games. Da 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 da. Which one was that? Was that King's Quest Four or King's Quest Three? I don't know. I don't know. I swear that's that's the Superman theme. Oh, is it? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, from the original Superman movie. I never saw that, but okay. Okay. Maybe it got into my head somehow. I guess I should stop recording, huh? It's yeah.